Welcome back to another episode of Bebo's Balls, a podcast where two lifetime Longhorn fans talk about ETA sports, from football to baseball and everything in between. I'm your host, Thomas, and as always, joining me is James. James, how are we doing this evening? What's going on, man? It's uh, okay. I guess we're just finishing up this, you know, Texas baseball game, so I guess we're doing as good as we can be. We're here. Yeah, so, so um, sorry about this podcast coming out a little bit later. James's birthday was on Sunday, and my wait, my uh, anniversary was on Monday, so we're here doing it Tuesday night. Um, so, yeah, we just, I guess we gamecast watching um, the Texas versus Charleston game, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but I've never sat through and I actually didn't sit through. You wouldn't allow me to watch the rest of that game because how bad my <laughs> bad luck. But um, let's start off some positive notes for UT Sports. Um, our, the indoor track team won their first national championship. And I saw like the women also play second. So that's that's pretty good. That's like, you know. Yeah, it, those, the national championship brings our all-time total Texas national championships, all sports to 59, which is fourth all time behind Stanford, USC and UCLA. Um, so yeah, we are, you know, the number one overall school in Texas, all time national champions and, you know, fourth overall. So 59, man, you got to take that. It's great. It shows excellence all the way across the board from volleyball to baseball to, you know, diving and swimming. And now we can add track to that. Yeah. So another team that did pretty well this weekend was our our women's softball team or the softball team. They won. Tw- they had the Bevo Classic this weekend. Um, they won twice on Saturday. They won a game, the early morning game, um, against Drake, and then they tied. They tied Minnesota at 10-10. But a lot, when I saw them, they were down like 10-4. And they fought back to tie it up. So that's, you know, great effort by the girls. Um, yeah, Friday night we had, I think, both games canceled because of the weather that came in. So Drake and Minnesota were both postponed. Uh, Texas started off against Nickel State. They run, run rule them, turn around, played Minnesota, beat them 12-3, to and then followed up the next day with another 7-0 win against Drake and then a 10-10 win against Minnesota. So, you know, all in all, uh, three wins – no losses in the draw at, uh, in our house, our tournament, you know, you got to take that all any day. Yeah, for sure. Um, that, so that's when I saw the, the women's all white jerseys and I put out a, uh, a tweet on our account, um, that Texas has Texas all white jerseys, no matter what sports are just playing fire. Like that's, that's it. Like, they're the cleanest there is. So like, I'm really surprised. Really surprised by like how well all the I guess just I think it's just the burnt orange on the white just really stands out. Yeah, definitely. I have to agree with you there. The only ones I can kind of throw up there are probably Penn State's all white, yeah. uh, especially when you get that whole stadium rocking with white. But I'm still going to give the edge to Texas on this. Yeah, look is the best. So the biggest one of the biggest. Uh, Things that happened this weekend was that the women's basketball team uh, won the Big 12 t- tournament title over Baylor, um, and they seemed like they handled Baylor pretty much uh, almost the whole game. I saw the first half. I was trying to watch that game and the Texas ba- uh, baseball game at the same time, but my daughter was unruly, so I had to give up one of the one of the uh, TVs <laughs> to her. So um, yeah, but yeah, so the game, you know. You know that's it's a big win. Baylor's been dominant in the Big 12 on the women's side, and I guess in the men's side for a while. But you know that's great momentum going into the uh, tournament, in which Texas ended up getting like the number two seed or number yeah, two seed. A region. Yeah, number two seed, hosting a regional. Uh, we got a, a matchup against Fairfield, which we played last year in the regional in Austin in baseball. Um, so you know. It's, Funny to see that come full circle, but yeah, number two seed overall. But it yeah. sucks because we're 
uh, I think the one seed on our part is Stanford, which we've kind of started with in the past for uh, women's basketball. I think we beat, we went to Palo Alto this year, and actually, I think we beat them this year. Did we beat them? Yeah, so, I remember we lost them a couple of years ago in the postseason. But yeah, if we've beat them once this year, like Vic Schaefer has his team peaking at the right time. Uh, they made that deep run last year, so I uh, I picked them to win everything in my uh, bracket for women's basketball. So I'm really excited to see how these girls play uh, Friday. We got a primetime game on ESPN two against the 15 seed um so yeah they're 25 and six okay well we because i think the men play earlier that day so we'll be able to watch them catch the um catch the baseball game and have the women's game on too so hopefully hopefully it turns out to be a good another good weekend for texas sports um so let's move we'll move on to some football news. Um, you know, we have a couple of crystal balls came projections came out. Uh, we had a couple, we had one on Ruben Owens who was a commit and decommitted. And now it seems like he's training back towards us. I'm, I'm pretty sure this is all because of the other crystal ball production of Arch Manning. Um, yeah, Eric Nalen, um, Give a crystal ball 70% confidence to Texas. Uh, I think the overall percentage of him going to Texas is 60.4. I'm talking about Arch here. And, uh, yeah, he's actually going to be in Austin on a visit uh, March 24th. Uh, Ruben Owens will be visiting the weekend before that, but since Arch announced that he'd be in Austin the next week, since El Campo's not that far of a drive, he'll be in Austin back-to-back weekends. So, that's huge across the board. These guys are best friends. They play on the same seven-on-seven team together. Um, I wouldn't say they're a package deal, but it seems like Ruben really wants to play wherever Arch goes. Uh, I know he was kind of trending towards Alabama for a little while, but it looks like we're back in the hunt, to say the least. Uh, yes, that's awesome to hear. You know, we already have a pretty good stable of running backs, um, but you can always you can never have too many running backs, in my opinion. Um, you know, they've made it work so far with Robinson, Robinson, and Johnson. So I'm pretty sure they can work with Blue, Owens, and Brooks, whoever, and whoever else we get. So, yeah, I was really worried about Stan Drayton leaving the temple, uh, to go coach. You know, he had recruited that position super well, uh, you know, going back to, to Foreman. And, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's really good to see us still in the hunt with Ruben Owens, even after his, probably his primary recruiters left the campus. Yeah. Well, it just goes to show you how well um, Sharkeesian's offense is featuring a running back. Um, just, you know, Najee Harris is, was a prime example. Um, three, three down back gets kind of spilled every once in a while, but does everything catches runs. So, you know, they look at that and they see what they can do with they picture themselves in that spot so it'd be you know having these guys would be really nice and then today we actually got a surprise surprise commit from a, a class 23 d lineman dylan spencer yeah he's a four-star uh defensive lineman the number 175th overall national player and the number 25 defensive lineman in the class so you know we're we're starting to stack the line of scrimmage. I think it's uh, strategic. Uh, Sarkeesian and everybody knows, you know, to play ball in the SEC, you got to have dogs in, that, in the trenches. And uh, last year we, you know, I don't want to say solidified, but we bumped up the town level on our offense by the offensive line uh, class we took, which was an all-time great in Texas standards. And it looks like we're off to a hot start in the, on the defensive side of the ball this year. We took a lot of kids last year. Um, so this year will be a smaller class. So I won't, I'm not expecting a ton of early commitments. So to have someone jump on this early tells me that the Texas staff has to be really high on them. Yeah, that's, it's, it's good to see get commands like that. Um, you know, like everybody says, uh, football's won in the trenches. And so far right now we have great classes on both sides of the ball and, 
you know, if we can get a couple more, like if we can get some good offensive line commits, you know, just help out. And you know, the Owens commit, Owens getting Owens to commit earlier would be nice too. So yeah, I definitely think if we had to pick one weak spot of our team, which you know there was a couple to go around, but definitely getting pressure on the quarterback was huge the la- uh, last year. We couldn't find that replacement for Joseph Osai, Ovia Gofu. Uh, you know, Ben Davis, they had their moments, but he just couldn't find that guy to be consistent. So, you know, it's, you know, taking a four star this early, um, it's good signs of things to come. Mm-hmm. So, the, yeah, yeah. With that being said, uh, let's, you know, we'll, we'll kind of, uh, we're going to move on to our uh, drink of the week. I don't know if, if y'all saw the uh, picture that was posted, but, for my drink, I had the it's called Old Elk, and I took a little bit of smoking cherry smoking wood and uh, lit on fire and let it smoke into the glass to give you some uh, extra flavoring, which was really nice. Like you can't really beat a nice glass of whiskey with uh, some ice, but you just add a little bit of smoke to it to get a different little smell and a little taste into it. It was really it was a really nice touch. Do you have the little setup where it's like a kind of like a little dome that goes over it and you light it and you close it or how nah, do you do it? No, nah, I'm cheap. I have like a wooden, a wooden circle that has like a grate in it and you put the wood in there and you just let it smoke and just turn on fire. You just light it and it just lets the smoke fall through. It's like 25 bucks. Easy. Like I got to start cheap first before I can get too expensive. Yeah. All that stuff. Uh, my drink of the week is going to be uh, it's a IPA by Lone Pine Brewery. Uh, they actually make my favorite beer of all time called Yellow Rose, not to be confused with the Yellow Rose whiskey. But, um, yeah, I have a picture of it. It's called uh, Neighbor of the Beast. And, um, you know, it comes in these pints, uh, 6.6 alcohol volume. I'll, uh, def- I'll post a picture of it later for you all to check out. But, uh, yeah, they're Texas-based. So any if any of all of our Texas listeners – you ever at HEB, um, give them a shot. They, they're really good. It's more of like a, it's, you can't drink too many of these. It has a different aftertaste. Uh, I, I love eating it with steak. So my birthday this past weekend, we had steaks. This is my go-to for that. Nice. Oh, well, so, you know, I think this is what everybody's trying to get one us to get to is the, uh, the last two sports is basketball and baseball. We're going to start talking about basketball. You know, this team was put together through the transfer portal. And I I can't take credit for this, but I heard someone say that Texas went after all the big name players that are in the portal, but they all come from losing schools. So they have, they say, losing uh, mentality. Like, so I don't, I didn't really think about that too much until what happened with the uh, TCU game. You know, we were we were up at 18 at half. We were up at 20 at one point in time, and then we lose by, I think it was six or five points. Yeah, we, we lose, lost lose by five. Five after leading 18. Uh, we were outscored by 23 points in the second half, and we only scored 20 points. You know, the team was 22 for 54. Uh, you know, shooting 40%. Um, and I think the biggest one, the telltale, was we were 8 for 22 from 3, which is only 36.4%. Yeah. Um, Timmy Allen had 16 points. Ramey had 15 points. But Bishop Carr, Jones, all, you know, they had 7, 7, 5. And our bench only gave us 10 points the entire game. That's, yeah, that's definitely not that's definitely not winning basketball. Like, yeah. Card, card. Ha- if we're going to do anything in the NCAA tournament, card has to be not the key focus, but he needs to be able to get his points and distribute to Rainey, who I can't believe I'm saying this is like right now the hot one of the hot hands, and then Timmy Allen needs to get on track. Um, he wears, you know, he wears zero, and this podcast is a fan of the Zero Club, like Faltini and Overshone. So Timmy Allen needs to make us a fan of his too. Um, but yeah, so you know, Chris, uh, Coach Beard was um, asked 
about the about the loss and he's just straight up said that this like they'd have to be better and he he didn't mix any words after the loss he was very adamant about this team not playing up the standard so you know hopefully yeah he said everybody wants to win and you gotta hate losing more than you like winning you know he did not mince words and it was almost uncharacteristic of a coach i think to and I'm not bashing him. I get it. This team, this is crunch time. Uh, but he almost isolated his players and almost blamed them. And like you said, they don't know how to win. Um, and he's right. You know, he, he ever it's like three minute speech. He just kept saying, you know, everybody wants to win. You got to hate to lose everybody. You know, he just kept repeating it over and over. And um, I know he kind of got bashed on Twitter by that. But, you know, this is D-Day here. The tournament starts Friday. Um, we haven't won. We haven't got out of the first round in what, like four tries under Shaka. Like you were brought here to win in the postseason. Um, you, this is it. You got to do it. And then going out there and losing to that TCU team, who we talked about was hungry, who they needed to win a couple to get in. You know, they did just that. Yeah, they they need they just needed that win against Texas to get in. And you know, like all can be forgiven if you if Coach Beard wins a couple here. In the tournament, you know, uh, we get they did get a number six seed, but kind of, you know, we get matched up against uh, Virginia Tech, who just won the ACC tournament over Duke, and who's been playing. Mm-hmm. He's like one of the hottest teams probably coming into the tournament, and we're one of the coldest. So, yeah, you know, the best we can think we hope for is that you know they're still looking back on beating Duke. Um, we're in that East regional, you know, it has Baylor, Kentucky, Purdue, uh, second round matchup looks like a, you know, a really, really good Purdue team that will be waiting for either us or Virginia tech. So, you know, we have our work cut out for us. Um, it's going to be definitely, definitely hard to get out of this, you know, first couple rounds. Yeah. So speaking of the tournament, do you, um, who, who do you have as your final four? My final four, let me pull up my bracket. I know I have Kentucky uh, winning it all. I kind of, uh, I don't want to say I don't take these things seriously, but I try to be, uh, you know, pick some upsets here and there. So I have uh, Gonzaga and Kentucky on the West versus East final four matchup, and I have Houston and LSU in the South and Midwest, and I have uh, Kentucky beating Houston in the national championship. So I got a, you know, a two seed, a one seed, a five seed, and a six seed. I hate being the guy who picks all ones and twos. But, um, yeah, I got a couple of uh, – I, I think um, in the first round, I have Colorado State in the Sweet 16. I'm picking, you know, Loyola over Ohio State. Um, but, yeah, I got a Creighton over San Diego, which is only an 8-9. But, yeah, I'm picking a couple of upsets here. You know, I like to see a lot of these teams go down on the first day. So, well, I'm, you know, I got, I have Gonzaga versus Kentucky. Then I have Tennessee versus Kansas. Then I have Gonzaga versus Tennessee and Tennessee winning. So, you know, maybe Rick Warren to get a, t- get a title, but um, I kind of like, I kind of go chalk most of the time because, the first round, first two rounds, it's always like, okay, there's your five, twelve upsets and your other upsets there, here and there. But once it gets to the later rounds, lead eight, sweet sixteen, like it's gonna be the blue bloods, and there might be every once in a while there be a mid major in there that will surprise you, but I just don't see one this year. Uh, I think they get the ones that can make a deep run have bad matchups in the first couple weeks, so. Mm-hmm. Maybe, well, I'll probably get – I don't know what I'm talking about with basketball, so I'll probably get – probably wrong, and Vermont will win the championship this year. Who knows? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I got a couple of uh, – like I said, a couple of smaller upsets. I don't think I have really anybody past the Sweet 16 uh, winning too much. Loyola, who I have, uh, Oberhau State, runs into Villanova. So, you know, that's going to be a loss for them right there. And then uh, – Creighton was the other school. They got to Kansas after that. So, yeah, it's it sucks for these uh, lower seeds. You know, they can get past first round, but then they run into a, a top seed team. And yeah, yeah, which you know, 
just watching that, like, that's sometimes like the lower, you know, the mid majors, like, they are kind of like the more older teams, the senior led teams. And, you know, that's always fun to watch against a Kentucky that's full of one years and see who, and I think, I don't think it ever comes down to coaching. I think it's always just always about the players. Like, I I know there's good coaches like Coach K and Roy Williams and Bill Self, but when it comes down to the last three, four minutes of the game, I always think it's the players and who has who's the most athletic and who's the most like who has the confidence the most, and that's who I kind of like see you always winning the those close games. Yeah, I mean, two players win ball games in basketball. Um, you used to see these Dukes and the North Carolinas and the, you know, the Gonzagas with the upperclassmen, you know, uh, faring a lot better in these kind of tournaments just because of that leadership and being there and being able to win the close games. But I feel like ever, you know, Kentucky the last, you know, 10 years and all these first round picks have kind of changed that standard. But I feel like every bracket I do, I always have Gonzaga going to the national championship and I'm always let down. So, that's why I picked Kentucky over them this year. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's you know that's true. Like Gonzaga, they've kind of built them a program there to that they expect winning, they expect to get number one seeds, but they kind of do choke up in the um in the, like the last couple like the Elite Eights and the Final Four. So you know maybe they can do something, but they have like I've been here. They have like the number one pick overall. And on their team, but he looks, you know, he looks like he's smaller than Durant or skinnier than Durant was at Texas. And so we'll see how he can, he'll hold up getting, um, playing post, playing it down low. But I said enough about other teams that we don't really know too much about. Let's, uh, let's get back to the stuff that we do know about, um, the baseball. Let's talk about the baseball team here. And I was definitely pull up a chair here. Yeah. Be here for a minute. Yeah. So we started off last week with a two game two game series versus Texas State, and you know we were talking when the first game ha- was going on, and it was uh, we saw I saw they had a 17. So okay, so Texas State's ranked 17th. That's cool. All right. So we end up winning. We went, won game one, which is a a huge game. Like that was. You know, Omaha vibes for sure. Like, yeah, it was their college world series. Yeah. And and the fans there, like the Texas state fans were great. Just giving it to our players, talking smack to them the whole time. Um, I saw one tweet. This lady said, uh, I've been been talking shit to the shortstop all all game long. and And he just gave me a signed ball. What I do now. And like that's the that's the best way to to silence anybody's for Faltini just signed a ball and gave it to her, and you know what can you what can you say? Um, but then you know we won that game. What was it nine to eight? Yeah, uh, game. Yeah, I think it was nine to eight. Um, I know Melinda's had that big home run there in that first game. Uh, but yeah, Texas State definitely just wanted it more. You know, they threw two weekend guys and their closer at us. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we're Texas. I know people hate hearing it, but, you know, we always have the target on our back. And then it's even worse when you throw in the number one next to our name, uh, which is the number two now. But, yeah, it's a program defining win for these schools like Texas State and, you know, College of Charleston. If they can beat Texas, what the, it does for the morale, like they probably think there's not another game on their schedule they can't win. Especially yeah. going into conference play, like it's, yeah, you know, Texas, the Texas State, um, it, it was nine to eight the first game. Uh, Nixon had to come in and close that one out. Uh, it, it was a electric atmosphere. You know, they were talking crap. You could hear them yelling. I hate this watching games on anything other than Longhorn Network because the cameras are all over the place. The quality is kind of shoddy. And uh, I, I can't remember a regular season game, in especially midweek, that my heart was like just pounding. I was trying to get in the shower for like 20 minutes, and I just stood there watching my phone in the game as you know the innings went on. Yeah, uh, yeah, because like Nixon didn't make it look easy either. He uh, he gave us 
some things to worry about. But at the end, he got it done. Um, so then, you know, we move, so game two, we moved to Austin. Um, you know, we have okay, we kind of start off with the kind of start off with the bang with uh, Mundes hitting a home run. Like Mundes was on fire this week. You know, he won the Big 12 Player of the Week. He had four home runs, like seven. Yeah, four home runs, 11 RBIs. Yeah, dude, dude's just killing it right now. But yeah, so you know, we go, so we're in Austin. We drop the second game to them, which it's a midweek game. We're still trying to figure out who's going to be, you know, we just lost Tanner Witt. You know, we just lost one, our, you know, second to third best pitcher, you know, our Sunday our Sunday guy. So we're trying to fill that hole right now. So it's like, all we right, lost, cool. Uh, Austin Todd the game before, too, which is probably our, you know, one of our team leaders, you know, he's been there, you know, five, six years, you know, been through it all. Been there losing season, been to Omaha, and, you know, to see him dislocate that shoulder, uh, sliding back to first base. They said he wasn't out for the season, but he will be out for a while. So those are two huge blows. Yeah, and, you know, losing him, at first I didn't think too much about it because it's like, oh, well, it hasn't been swinging great bats. But um, just now with Skyler, oh, that guy, he – you he steps up and I'm like all right well just put up just just take a couple three swings and get back to the because that's all he does he just swings at the ball and but with Austin Todd being out like we can't it limits it limits what we can do with our players yeah um yeah definitely he's batting 188 going in today uh, tons of strikeouts I think like 12 14 strikeouts something outrageous um not playing very good at all. And you bring up a good point that after Staley to Faltini, we've been shuffling a lot of guys around with Campbell, Peyton Powell, uh, Skylar Messenger, and we just can't find that person to step up. You know, Dylan Campbell today, you know, we're recording on a Tuesday. He had a huge opportunity to step up. I won't get too far into that, but couldn't produce, you know. Um, this team's definitely going to need someone to step up and, you know, own that position going into the, you know, first game of the season after hearing how well Campbell was playing, just, you know, I hate to bash any players, but he just hasn't lived up to that. He hasn't been consistent enough for me. Yeah. And, you know, we're not, I, you know, people say like bashing, we're not, we're not here to try to bash players. We're just speaking our opinions and, the truth, really, like the you know the batting average, and just they're not seeing the ball great right now. Like Skyler Messenger was a second team All Big Twelve performer last year. I know it's in in him. He he played really he plays really good defense. Like yeah, his glove is really good. He makes pretty he makes really good plays. He makes hard difficult plays look easy. He has a good arm to get across a diamond. So yeah, like if there's a if baseball if he could if he could be a DH third baseman, great. That's not how baseball works. So I know Skyler probably he has it in him to be a better producer for this team. He might take a couple games off, be on the bench, or he just might take what happened with Melinda's just last year, where you know uh, Pierre, Coach Pierce said, "All right, we're gonna give you your bat." Like he, they sat him in the midweek because he was struggling. Mm-hmm. And then like they like okay you're gonna play every game against Kansas, and he started breaking out and started going again. So you know we gotta find that thing that kind of lights the fire for Skyler, and you know maybe he can turn around and help this team toward in conference play. You know really that's all these non-conference games that we're playing. You know they're good for the team, but it comes down to conference play. And that's where you want to win, and that's where you get your regionals and stuff like that. So, yeah, you know. as much as we like to say these games don't matter, I mean, they really don't. At the end of the day, if you can go win two out of three every weekend in conference, you know, win the Big 12, get that Austin regional, you know, this team knows how to get to Omaha, and that's what it takes. They're not going to look back in March on a Tuesday game. Uh, yeah, it affects your seating wins like this, but, you know, if we can, like I said, go win two out of every three every weekend we'll be okay. And, you know, luckily we still have Tristan uh, Stevens on Saturday and Pete Hansen on Friday, which I, you know, 
those guys give you a great opportunity to do that every single weekend. So let's get into the weekend series against South Carolina. Game one <coughs> was amazing. You have everything from, you know, Pete didn't look great, Pete, but Pete did what Pete does. He allowed some runs. He got some um, timely strikeouts. Um, so, you know, yeah, you wish Pete played a little, pitched a little bit better, but the offense was crazy. Melendez was going off. You have Faltini pulling an, uh, Beltre over there, dragging the third, the the hitting circle or on deck circle to where he wants it and getting away with it. Absolutely getting away with doing that. So, which is crazy. Yeah. I, yeah, Hanson, man, he was uh, six innings, you know, nine hits, five runs, two walks, six Ks, which is at, to, for any pitcher, that's a great performance, you know, um, besides the five runs. But we've been spoiled by the dominance of Pete Hanson and Tristan Stevens. So when they go out there and have performances like these, which will happen, you know, it just looks bad. You know, uh, Staley came in for relief. He pitched two innings, two hits, no runs. And then uh, Souther came in. Uh, Pitch one inning, one walk, two Ks, which was huge in my opinion. Because I, I liked him. I liked him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, same. You know, won that game nine to five. Came back, uh, won that. But like you said, yeah, it was chock full of everything you wanted. You know, a lot of runs scored, uh, fourteen total. You know, both uh, both teams. Faltini hit a home run. You know, Melendez hit two home runs. Uh, so let's Hodo let's, had a triple. Yeah. So let's talk about. Um, I'll, uh, sorry to cut you off, but. Monday, oh, uh, the Hispanic Titanic's second home run. This is <laughs> this is I'm gonna go a little baseball baseball gods here on you. That bat flip was something was amazing. I understand you don't do that. Blah 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 blah. You old school pitchers, you old school baseball fans. You don't want them to do it. Don't don't let them hit the home run. Yeah, that was his second home run of the day. Second. That was Batista level bat flip right there, man. That was he threw it at the pitcher, and then Ardwan came up next and got beamed right after that. Yeah. You know, you knew that was coming. We all knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, but I do think the baseball gods are kind of ticked off by towards Ivan about that, and we have we're just cursed in South Carolina because the next next. We've lost the next three games in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's – let's just get – good thing a uh, College World Series is not in South Carolina. It's in Nebraska. Yeah, definitely. So, as long, you know, as long as we don't go to Nebraska and bat flip like that, we'll be all right. But, yeah, so, you know, we go to game two. We lose four to two. Right? Uh, four to two is the score? Uh, yeah, four to yeah, two. Yeah, it was seven innings. You know, Tristan, Tristan didn't look like himself. He looked at times he looked really, really Tristany, and at other times he looked kind of uncomfortable. Um, I haven't seen enough double plays like we had last year. I think we oh wait, we're second in the country of double plays last year, but we're just not getting that kind of um, like oh, there's a runner on uh, double plays coming no matter what. So we kind of need to work on that, I think. But yeah, so game two. Tristan's pitching seven innings. Yeah, four point four point two innings, six hits, two runs, one walk, three Ks. Um, yeah. You know, not a bad outing by any, by any means. It's just you know the seven inning games, uh, just you know kind of bites you in the butt whenever it comes. You know, we, we ran out of outs to score innings. Uh, Southern came in, he pitched. Uh, you know, got one out, um, and then Luke Harrison came in, pitched an inning, two Ks, no runs. But, um, yeah, you know, Tristan didn't look his dominant self. Same thing as Pete. You know, we've been spoiled by these amazing outings and, you know, seven, eight innings, uh, you know, but one run. And he just, you know, didn't have that this weekend. But, like you said, maybe it's the baseball guys punishing us with this bad flip. Yeah, so, you know, it's just, you know, it's baseball. You can't – there's no – no one should have thought this team's going to win them all. Um, you know, we go to game three, we kind of get shellacked there, make a, a semi comeback in the ninth, but nothing really. Um, so seven pitchers is the highlight of this game to me. And, 
not to get too ahead, but I think that is definitely one of our ailments. Our bullpen is not fresh. And anytime, you know, you see Gordon, Blair, Cobb, Morehouse, Nixon, Olivares, and Stewart all on a Sunday, not great. Yeah, it was definitely not good. Uh, We just, like, I, to me, I think Pierce takes, he takes the pitchers out one inning too soon, I think. Like, Gordon, I think it was time for the Gordon to come out, but there's times where we had an easy one, two, three inning, but that that pitcher's gone. And then it's on to the next one. It's like, well, why don't you leave that guy back in and maybe he can go another two, another inning and get you another one, two, three inning. Or, you know, maybe he gives up a hit, but he gets, you know, no damage done because he'll bring in someone else and they'll, they'll throw balls and they'll lead off a walk. Like, let's, come on, let's give these guys a chance to like if the game's already out of control like that third game was you know just let these guys go out there and get a rhythm get going like see what see if they can show you something yeah they're gonna face adversity kind of like Duplantier in that first game against Texas State where he went out there gave up the lead team got him back the lead and said hey you know this is your game go win it for us Gordon you know he pitched 3.1 innings five hits three runs four walks four Ks it wasn't that bad when he took him out they you know took him out put Blair in you know he didn't even record an out you know three hits three runs a walk no strikeouts uh, you know it's just after that it just kind of steamrolled I would have liked to see Gordon go a little bit longer too especially with five, trying to find someone to step up and replace Henry Witt in that Sunday spot you got to give him the opportunity to you know earn that spot and the announcers for South Carolina was were kind of like they were talking good about Gordon like you know they kind of made some points like He's, he hides the ball very well. Um, he his, he his changeup is a really good changeup, and his you know his changeup and fastball work really well together. And so you know I wish he would have got a little bit more go, but I'm not the coach. I'm not out there knowing what's going on. So well, I know what's going on, and it's we can't hit the ball. Hodo, Kennedy, Ardwan, Susler, Daly, Faltini, and Campbell all recorded no hits in this game. You know, Melendez was two for three with a home run and two RBIs. You know, Staley was probably our most consistent hitter, was one for four. And felt, like I said, Faltini didn't record a hit, but he did have an RBI. But, yeah, anytime you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven batters with not getting a hit going over, you're not going to win ball games like that. I don't care if it's yeah. a Tuesday or a Sunday. You know, it's not going to cut. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, after the weekend, we're like, it's, you know, Texas drops to number two. Ole Miss is number one now. Uh, you know, as long as you're in the top 10, you're going to get, you're going to host a super regional if you make it there. So that's fine. So we go to, you know, tonight's game, which versus Charl- the College of Charleston. And, you know, we go one, two, th- no, we go one, two, or, Melendez gets a hit. He keeps continuing his hot streak. That that dude's on fire. Um, but then, you know, Dre comes out and just allows five runs right away. You know, like we said, we didn't get to watch the game. We got to watch on GameCast or listen to it. So I'm not really sure, like, if, like, anything was – there was any errors that were committed or anything like that. But Yeah, yeah we, we didn't have any errors, but it was, you know, just – their baseball field was really weird. I think it was like 400 to center, like 290 to left, and then like 330 to right. So, you know, you balls are going to carry. They hit those that grand slam in the uh, in the first inning, and I guarantee you that ball is not out of the park at this walk or many other parks. But it's, yeah. it was an oppo taco that you know 290 uh, short field at left is it carried and. Yeah, we, you know, we didn't have any errors, but, I mean, we just could not recover from the five-run first inning. No, but, you know, so, like you, you said, that they, they threw in their Friday pitcher and the closer to make sure they got the job done. We In the eighth, we had bases loaded twice with one out each time and couldn't get it done. So that's just show, goes to show you our lack of hitting, um, timely hitting, really. Uh, we had a good inning where we had a bunch of two out hits to get to get in, get close, chipped away at it. So I just yeah, we have we have a ton of RBIs this season on two outs, and they've actually done very well hitting you know with two outs. It just hasn't carried over lately or happened lately when we need it. 
yeah, we had people like Scott coming up. (laughs) Yeah, and then we even had, um, yeah, Kennedy, you know, getting out with bases loaded, two outs to get Melendez. You know, all he had to do was get on and get Melendez in. And, you know, he gives us our best chance to cut that lead, you know, type the ball game with one swing. And, yeah, yeah our ailments are just carrying over to, uh, you know, South Carolina. This is not a good spring break trip for us right now. But, you know, last year we went to uh, to Arlington, got spanked by all those SEC schools. Um, no one expected Texas to turn around and do what, what they want, what they did going to Omaha. I mean, everyone expects Texas in Omaha, but uh, – Hopefully, this is a learning experience. I'd much rather struggle now, uh, lose these games early, you know, build it. We have a very, very young team. Um, Gordon is a sophomore. Duplanier is a sophomore. Nixon is a sophomore. Our, you know, we do have a you know a lot of upperclassmen uh, playing the field and hitting. But this team needs to rally. They they need. I tweeted earlier on our podcast page. They need to play that Augie Garrido clip mm-hmm. where he's 2000. Uh, was it 2002, 2003? That championship team when he's just ripping their butt because this is what that team needs. Like I don't know if it's they're just reading their press clippings and you know the, the way we started out outscoring our opponents like 86 to six or something like that. Yeah. But that's definitely not the case anymore. No, yeah, we definitely need to find the pitchers need to find the strike zone again. That's like that's the one thing that's kind of gets me was this weekend was we get we get we get one and one counts or zero and two counts, and then the next four pitches are nowhere near the strike zone and we just completely walk them, or you know they give them one kind of right in the heart of their hard of the plate and they hit a single or they get a hit like we're zero and two put the first ball next pitch yeah if you want to throw a little outside that's fine but the next two pitches need to be they need to foul them off or you need to strike them out with them like this let's quit dancing with these people go right after them that was like you have a great defense you have one of the fastest outfield mm-hmm. in the in the country behind you they can track down balls you have a great team up the middle of Daly and Faltini. And like I said, Skyler might not be able to hit the ball right now, but he can sure play defense. And Melendez is playing great at first base. I think he's earning yeah. himself a lot of money right now. Definitely. Makes, and then you got the best probably defensive catcher in all of college baseball behind the plate. So. Exactly. You have a defense. So, like, so what – you know, so going like, kind of going into this weekend's game, you know, we have one more game in South Carolina versus the Citadel. Let's get a win. Let's let's get a win. Let's end this South Carolina trip with a win. Get get the mind right going into you know our weekend series with Connor Ward. Kind of wish it was here in San Antonio. See if I can make it, but I think we have other plans this weekend. Um, so yeah, the Citadel. Yes. They're you know ten and five. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to say about this. Uh, this is the first meeting between the two schools, so there's not much history to go off of. Uh, we just need a bounce-back win. Do, do you know who's going to be pitching? Do we have a pitcher left for this game? Uh, they haven't announced it yet, but, yeah, I can't really – I don't I don't even know. We, like I said, we do six guys. It's going to be hard. to. I don't know who they can dig down and – you pick is going to be Coy Cobb. He only threw one, you know, 1.2 innings. He did relatively well on Sunday. You know, give him one hit, one K, no runs. Um, but, you know, maybe it's going to be Cobb. I don't really have an answer for you there. Yeah, so we'll, we'll find that. We'll find out that tomorrow. But so, you know, what? So, what are your? What are you looking for for this weekend series? Like, what? What would get your? get you back in, back on the happy train this weekend? Um, dominant starts by, you know, Tristan Stevens and Pete Hansen, um, which, like you said, those two guys are effective because they throw strikes, they don't walk people, and they let their defense work. That's what they've done for the last two years. They're not overpowering with, uh, when it comes to strikeouts. They do get a lot of strikeouts, but they let their defense uh, work. So I'd like to – what would – in a realistic – expectations go out there get the sweep um you know limit the runs we give up 
don't use the bullpen too much. I think our bullpen needs a lot of rest. You know, these two game weekday series are brutal. Um, so I'd like to see some, you know, long outings out of Tristan Stevens and Pete Hansen. Um, and then hopefully get to Sunday and not throw seven pitchers. So I guess to answer the question is limit our bullpen use and get the sweep. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Definitely the bullpen, you know, hopefully get, you know, maybe seven out of Pete, seven out of Tristan, and then six out of Gordon. Um, that'd be great. Um, and then not, and then have a lead to where we don't have to pitch Nixon. You know, we can throw uh, Staley – couple innings we can throw um 49 what is his, his name i just just said it uh throw him a couple innings one day too so yeah and just the offense just need to um just the offense keep kind of keep what is doing what they're doing the past couple of games like we've hit we've you know taken pitchers into long, uh, deep counts you know, let's get the starting pitchers out, get to their bullpens, and um, let's uh, have Melendez and Faltini keep hitting uh, home runs like they've been doing. And hopefully, um, maybe Skyler can find a couple of hits. And Daly, Daly's been struggling too, but he he played pretty good this week or you know today. He had some good hits. So yeah, uh, he, I, I definitely think we need to get right this weekend. This is our last weekend series before we head into Big 12 play against Texas Tech. Um, we are a way different team at home. We are, we're a lot better at the dish. We'll be at home for this one. Uh, then, you know, next week, midweek, we go to Central Arkansas. But then after that, you know, we're on the road to Lubbock. Probably the yeah. best best team in the in the Big 12 besides us, you know, last year. Last year was the only series we lost. After that, you know, we have a midweek against A&M, and then we're on the road against Oklahoma in a neutral site game now. And uh, we won't be back in Austin until April 8th weekend yeah. series against TCU. So if they don't get things right, things could go south very quickly for this team. Yeah, well, so speaking of that, where's your your worry meter? Zero being out at all and 10 is losing your damn head. Where are you at right now? I can probably say it's, it's hard asking the question immediately after the game. So I'm going to try to be a little conservative here, and I'm going to go – I'm at about a seven. Um, I don't think it's uh, – it tend to me is throwing in the towel, you know. Have to be, um, I don't think it's time to throw in the towel yet, but I think it's definitely these guys need a, you know, a coming to God meeting with Coach Pierce and Tulowitzki. Uh, the, the leadership I feel like isn't there. Um, Melendez is doing well, you know. Uh, Hodo hit the ball good this weekend. Faltini is hitting the ball well. But I just I – have we haven't seen that all-around dominant pitch performance and then everyone pounding the ball since the early series against, you know, the Rice and Sam Houston States. So I, I'll say I'm about a seven, you know, how about you? Where are you at? One to 10. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit lower than you. I'll probably say a five, five, a four and a 4.5 to five. Um, you know, I'm kind of new. Like I've been, I followed Texas sports for a while. Follow, you know, but I'm kind of new to watching baseball every single day. I usually don't have the opportunity with work and other stuff, but I I can see things that can get fixed, and I think that this weekend is the weekend to get it fixed. Um, if it's you know we get if we go one for two this weekend, you ask me the question again, it's I'll probably be at a nine, but I think we this weekend we get the current word. You know, go up, have good games. We can get everybody calmed down again and get get some more confidence going into, uh, you know, the Big 12. You know, without overlooking the game against the Citadel, uh, what's who's the one player that you want to see the most out of? So, as people are going to learn, this, from my standpoint, I'm a huge Trey Faltini guy. I love this attitude. I love the way he plays shortstop. I love the way when he when he smashes that ball, he makes sure everybody knows. So I always want to see him. I think he's kind of key to that bottom of the order, the flipping it around, getting back to the top of the order, and getting runs started. But it's from now on until he proves me he deserves that spot, it's going to be Skyler. 
Like Skyler has to show me something each week to be there to keep stay in that spot to hit, and so it, just, I, it has to be him. I'm gonna. I agree with you there, but I'm gonna have to go on the pitching side. Um, I'm a, I've followed this. I followed it, you know, game in, game out for years, um, and I think I'm gonna have to go with Lucas Gordon. I need him to go out Sunday and have a good performance and earn that Sunday spot. And even last year, I wouldn't say it was a shaky spot, but it was up for grabs. Uh, Kubitschek lost the battle after uh, A&M to Pete Hansen, and he never looked back. And that's what I want to see out of Gordon. I want to see him go at least, you know, five, six, um, no runs, one run, somewhere in there, and a couple strikeouts. And just, like I said, relieve our bullpen, freshen up some of these arms, um, luckily, next week we only have one midweek game. It's on the road, Central Arkansas. But yeah, Lucas Gordon is my guy, man. I'm looking at you. Go out there, and you know he's from California. He's not a Texas kid, but he has like you know all the accolades. I think he was from Notre Dame High School in uh, California, and I think he definitely has it. It's just time to grow up quick. I think he needs to get a hat that fits too. Every time I see yeah. him pitch, his hat kind of he's, he's always I know. <laughs> It might be just his thing as a pitcher. He always readjusts his hat, but I've seen a couple times it just flies off the top of his head. So, you know, maybe a hat that fits and maybe the pitches will go on strikes instead of balls. All right, so um, we're going to wrap up this podcast with a couple of the elected towers. Um, so I'll start off with, with one for my so bat flips are the best parts of home runs i'm gonna have to like the tower on that i know a lot of people will probably go with the celebration and once you get to the dugout but you know unless you're there in person you don't really get to see that they're just showing the replay of it but i, I definitely like the tower uh bat flips are the best part of the home runs and actually no i'm gonna take that back the crack off the bat nothing gets me more excited than hearing the ball bounce off the lens of the bat and uh yeah, so I take it back. Not lighting the tower, yeah. crack the bat. Okay, that, that's a good sound too. But sometimes, like, watch, like watching it on TV, you necessarily don't get that that pure sound. Like you have to be in person to hear that sound. But yeah, I, I enjoy a good bat flip. I know that means the next person is probably gonna get dinged. Uh, give me a free base. That's all right. Um, so for my second second question, I got for you, or for my final one, um. The best chicken strip place, best fast food chicken strip place is Cane's. I'm definitely not lighting the tower on that one. Uh, I'm not that I'm a Cane's hater, but I'm a Dairy Queen lover, man. And I think their Dairy Queen's food is severely underrated. So I personally am going to go with Dairy Queen's chicken strips. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll... With, with some gravy. With some gravy as a side, uh, the cane sauce. I mean, it's good. I mean, I just don't get what's you know going on with it. And they give you bread as a side, which is, I guess, you know, Derek when you get the Texas toast, but that bread's a little weird, man. Uh, I'm not a cane's hater. It's just not my go-to when it comes to chicken strips. Okay. Well, all right, guys. Well, that's gonna wrap us up for this this podcast. Um. We'll we'll be back next Sunday with a new episode. Until then, we'll talk to y'all later. Welcome.